listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. Hey, what's up, The Living Room? Uh, good to see everybody tonight. Thank you for being here. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name's Heath, and uh, I... Great, great. I know some of you, uh, some familiar faces, some new faces. Glad to be here tonight. Uh, I work for Inside Out, which is the high school team here at Brownsbridge. Uh, we got some fans in the room. That's awesome. Um, but I'm so excited to be here with you guys tonight as uh, we pick up week three of our series, Living uh, My Best Life. If you're here week one, uh, my good friend Lauren kicked us off talking about the importance of wisdom in our lives. If you're here last week, my friend Jake talked about the importance of our friendships and how they determine the direction and quality of our lives. And tonight, week three, uh, I kind of want to kick off before uh, I, I dive into what we're talking about. I want to tell you a little bit about me. Uh, so here's what's going on in my world. Uh, catch you guys up for some of you I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, Probably tomorrow, maybe this weekend, definitely by next week, I have to buy a new car. Uh, we had a car that I bought in June, um, got in a wreck. Everybody's fine, told the car. If you want to feel bad about yourself, buy a new car, then three months later, total it, because that just feels terrible. And I've learned in my life that I am, uh, I, it's hard for me to buy cars. I, I'm kind of stingy with money and you go there and they just keep putting on these zeros on the end of the price tag. And I don't know why they do that and it's mean. And if you think about in your life, you probably all have a situation like this. Think about for a minute, the worst purchase that you've ever made, right? Think about the worst purchase you've ever made. For some of you, it was definitely like the jeans you wore in middle school. Uh, for some of you, it, it might've been that jewelry you bought for your high school girlfriend who dumped you a week later. Uh, for some of you, it's, maybe it's like me, uh, mine was a, a car. It, was, it wasn't a car. It was a Jeep Wrangler, a four-door Jeep Wrangler, Rubicon edition. So nice. Guys, I had just graduated from my, my master's degree. I was like 25 years old and I'd been in school since as long as I could remember. And I finally got out of my master's degree. I got a job full-time, praise God, those exist. And uh, I got a job and I'd been driving the same car since I was 16 years old. And it, that last year I owned it. I think it spent more time in the shop than it did under my butt. And so I decided that I was, it was time for me to buy a new car. So I went into a dealership and I picked the one out that I really wanted this Jeep Wrangler. Like when I was a kid, my dad had a Jeep and I loved summer nights, you know, like tonight where you can take all the, the, the windows and the, the roof off and everything. And I was like, man, that's what I want. This is the car I'm going to get. The problem is, is guys, I had very little working understanding of how buying a car works. Like I just thought I went in there and I was like, I have this much how much do I owe you monthly now? Like I thought that's how it worked and I had no real concept or, or grasp of interest rates or uh, you know, down payments and how that stuff works. And you can't blame me because my mom was only a loan officer at a bank for 35 years. And so uh, it's, it's not my fault that I didn't listen to her. It's, it is my fault, I didn't listen. And so I walk in there and I have absolutely no credit. I mean, I finally just got a full-time job. I'd been in school since I was born. And so I you know, finally had a job, I have no credit. And I want this Jeep so bad. And they're like, okay, we, we would love to hook you up with in-house financing. I was like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds awesome. Do I get to drive it today? And they're like, yes, you do. And so they slapped me with this 6% interest rate on this car. And I realized very quickly that every month as I started getting like the, the bills and stuff for the car, I was paying more to the bank than I was to, for the car. And I looked back at a couple years and I was like, I've been paying on this thing for two years and I owe just about as much as I did when I started because I had such a bad interest rate. And so I began to realize something in my life. I was 25, 26 years old at the time. And I was like, I have no idea how money works. I am as confused about it now as I was when I was a kid. Like, I don't know what a 401k is. I'm not really sure how mortgages work. I'm pretty sure it's something about a house, which I would love to have one day. Like, I don't know 
what, how to do my own taxes today. And again, you can't blame me. My brother's a CPA and does it every day for a living. But I, you know, I, I don't know how do these things work. And so if you're here tonight and uh, money is something that confuses you, scares you, intimidates you, something you just want more of because you're in college and you just feel like that bank account has you know, not enough zeros on the end of it most days, uh, you're at the perfect place to be tonight because we're gonna wrap up our series talking about money. And for some of you in the room tonight, uh, that's huge. It's really important because for some of you, uh, you don't know how to manage your parents' money that they're giving you to help you get through college. And, and for some of you, you're probably making more money at the end of the month than I am because you've got some killer job part-time and you work for yourself and you're like an entrepreneur and you're, you're doing great and you're killing it. And for some of you in the room, uh, you're like me in college and you're like, dude, I'm trying to pass organic chemistry and I'll worry about money later, right? Like I, I have bigger problems right now than money, but I hope that wherever you are in the room tonight, you can walk away with some good principles that will not only help you right now, but will help you in life. Because I wish that somebody would have taken the time to not just teach me like practical things about money, but also teach me the role that money plays in our hearts and lives. And I hope that each and every person in this room uh, sees the value in that and, and feels that. I know that uh, for some of you, it might be intimidating. For some of you, you feel like you've heard a talk like this a million times and you've got it under control. And that's, that's fantastic. I'm so glad. But just because you know the ABCs doesn't mean you, need to, you don't need to hear them again. And it doesn't mean you don't use them every single day. And so money is hugely important. And actually, I would even say tonight that I think it's something that's extremely spiritual. And we'll get into how that works in just a minute. Like I said, I grew up uh, not knowing a lot about money. And in fact, uh, again, to let you guys, I told you a little bit more about me. I, I need to buy a new car. And, and one of the ways that I learned the most about money growing up uh, is I learned it from uh, my favorite genre of music, uh, hip hop artists. And so uh, I, I, I put together like a collection of things that I learned uh, from some of my favorite hip hop artists from the 90s and 2000s because I'm old. And uh, I'm gonna share them with you guys tonight. And so the first one is this, is that uh, money is all mine. Like when I, like if I make money, it is all mine. 50 Cent taught me that. He said, get rich or die trying. And, he, and the, the whole idea was to get as much stuff as you can, to get as much money as you can, to you know, fill all of your needs and to basically consume, consume, get, get, get. Like, like the more you have, the better your life is, right? I've heard people say, hey, money can't buy happiness. And I was like, true, but it can buy a jet ski. I've never seen anyone sat on a jet ski. So in my mind, you know, money is all mine. If I can get money, it now belongs to me. And what I can do with it is up to me because it's all mine. If I want to buy a Jeep and pay way too much money, that is my prerogative because that money is all mine. Now, I've kind of learned that's not necessarily true, as most of these are. Uh, the second one is this, uh, money is all mine. Secondly, money is a solution to my problems. Biggie taught me that uh, mo money, mo problems. And I was like, hey, I, I, don't, I don't think it operates that way. I think if I had mo money, I'd have no problems, right? Like I wish that I had more money. In fact, I, I would trade the problems of a rich person for the problems of, of somebody like me who doesn't have a ton of it, right? And so I thought that money would be a solution to a lot of the problems that I had inherited in life and things that I wanted more of. If I had more money, I was like, hey, if I could just throw money at it, the problems go away. Uh, that's not necessarily true, but that's a lie that I believe. It's something that culture had taught me and I believed it 1000%. The third one is this, that money is a main goal in life. Puff Daddy taught me that. He said, life is all about the Benjamins, baby. And so I believed that if I could get more money, that that is the goal in life is to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and successful. Like if I could achieve, 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 get, get, get. Uh, I went to college and I majored in uh, biology. I'm so sorry for all you wooers right there. Uh, because I thought, I was like, you know why? Because I wanted to become a doctor. You're like, oh, dude, I bet you wanted to help people. Wrong. I wanted to make money. Like it was something that I thought would help me achieve all of my goals in life. It was kind of the main idea is like, you can get a good job. You know, you can buy a good house. You can convince a girl that's way prettier than you to marry you. Like I can have kids one day. Like that was like in my mind, how I convinced myself, like it all starts with getting a good job, right? Like that was the main 
idea it was the main piece of life, but it's not the main goal of life. Another lie I believed is that it gives us some sense of validation, right? The Wu-Tang taught me that. Cash rules everything around me. Get the, get the money, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. You know, like it was one of those things where if I have money, my dad will be proud of me. If I cannot struggle with finances the way that I watched my parents struggle with finances, then I think that I will have some kind of status. I'll be more important than I feel that I am when I don't have money. I thought it was some way to validate myself, to prove that, I, you know, that I'm a, a real man, that I, that I can provide for my family, right? It was something that would give me validation for who I am. The last lie that I believe is this, that it gave me some kind of sense of security. Kanye West, who before he was crazy, was a rapper. And uh, he, he taught me that one. That he says that uh, having money isn't everything, but not having it is. And the whole point of that line is that he says that uh, basically like, yeah, sure, maybe money isn't everything, but if you've ever had the problem of not having it, I'd rather trade the problems of having money than the problems of not having money. And so if you grew up in a household or, 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 a, or a family dynamic where money was a struggle, where it was, it was tough to make ends meet, or, or maybe your parents just, just you know, didn't teach you a lot about it and it was something that you felt like you never had enough of, money is a security blanket to be like, hey, if I just can have some money, then everything will be okay, right? maybe then I can make it. And these are lies that I believed about money because all of these things are what the world tells us of why you need money. And if you're here tonight, I'm so glad you are because if that's you, if you see yourself in any of those situations or if you, you feel like, hey, I can relate to you and that Heath, I, I, I thought the same thing or, or I was raised in a similar type family or uh, you know, I, I like the same old school hip hop music that you listen to and I just like the songs that you're referencing or whatever you think, you're in the perfect place tonight because I hope that what we can begin to do is to talk about money in a way that uh, is more in line with the way Jesus talked about money. And I told you earlier, I think that money is a spiritual issue. And the reason I say that is because, do you know that in fact, when Jesus was alive and the teachings that we have for him that we call the New Testament nowadays, we actually read Jesus talk more about money than he does about heaven and hell. In fact, money was so important with Jesus that he, time and time again, that he, he taught on it, he preached on it. Um, he, he clashed with people about money. He, he disagreed with the, the religious leaders of his day. And, and, and a lot of times it was over things of how people hand, handled money and what they did with money. So I'm so glad that you're here tonight because we're gonna talk about money and whether this is the first time you've heard somebody at church talk about money or the thousandth time, I'm gonna make one deal with you tonight. I'm not gonna ask you for any tonight. So you guys can sit back and enjoy it. Hopefully you take something home tonight that will uh, make your life a little bit better because I'm not gonna ask you to give me any money at the end of the night. So uh, everything after that is just a bonus, right? And so uh, the reason this is so important to me is, is this. This is what I want you guys to, to think about. How you view your money now is how you will view your money later. How you view money now is how you will view money later. So if, if money is a solution to you now at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, when you're you know, 40, 50, 60 years old, money will still be a solution to your problems in your mind. If money is the main goal in your life tonight, you know, you're gonna be the person that's like, you know, trying to just get a little bit more to retire. If I can just you know, you know, get, take one more job, if I can just get one more promotion, I know that next paycheck, that'll make me feel good about myself. That'll give me that validation that I'm chasing. However you view money now is important because how you view money now is how you will view money later when you're out into the workforce, you got a full-time job, you have a family of your own, you're you know, leading a business, you're starting your own business, whatever you're doing with your life, however you view money now directly influences how you'll view it down the road. And that's why it's so important. And that's why we wanna talk about it with you guys tonight here at the living room. 
Uh, so let's dive in. Let's look at what Jesus has to say about money. One of the mo- mo- most famous uh, times that he talks about money is in his very famous sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and that's found in Matthew's chapter five through seven. And so tonight we're gonna be in Matthew chapter six, where we read Jesus say these words right here. They'll be up on the screens. Jesus says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, that's a fancy word for rats, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, do not create for yourself treasure on earth. Why? His basic point is that treasure here on earth is fleeting. It can be taken away from you, from thieves. Um, you know, money is nice, but if you've ever like accidentally washed money in your clothes, like it can deteriorate and, and break down. I guess rats like to eat it. I'm not real sure about how that works, but Jesus said it, so I believe it and that settles it. So it's one of those things where Jesus is basically saying, hey, don't make your life, the goal of your life, the centerpiece of your life, building yourself a big earthly kingdom. Don't make it all about the treasures that you can provide for yourself in this life. But instead he says this, he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now that's kind of a, an interesting thought because uh, as I've gotten older, I've had to learn things. You know, I told you guys, I didn't know a lot about retirement plans and investment accounts and these, all these money things that I feel like they say on TV and I just nod along like I'm tracking. You know, I, I didn't know about a lot of stuff, but one thing I'm pretty sure is that I can't take some of my check and wire it to heaven to put away for later. I, Y'all correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, you're, you're smart. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that's how it works. So what does Jesus mean when he says, store up for yourself treasure in heaven? I think the point that Jesus is making here is that he is telling us that, hey, your life should be bigger than just your life. Your life, the, the thing you make your life about should be bigger than just the years that you spend on this earth. If you're gonna use, if you're gonna have, make a lot of money, if you're gonna do it, get a job where you just, you know, kill it and you make a ton of money. Don't make your entire life and your entire time on this earth about accumulating earthly wealth. Instead, he's beginning to teach us and beginning to train our brains to think about money, not as a goal, not as a centerpiece to our life, not as a treasure that we're chasing after, but instead as a tool that we can use for good. In fact, I think that what Jesus, the point that he's making is that we are tempted to do two things with our money. We're either tempted to hoard it here on earth, you know, like to, to just get as much as we can, buy as many things as we can and enjoy it for as long as we can, or we can invest it eternally. And what he means by that is essentially to use your money to make heaven as crowded as it can possibly be. To use your money to help people in such a way that they're like, why would you do that for me? I don't even know you. To, to, to invest in things where people are trying to advance the gospel, to, to invest in missions agencies that are taking the name of Jesus into, around the world to people who've never heard the name of Jesus, to, to invest in local churches that are trying to do good and help people who are hurting and broken and homeless and, 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 and in a difficult spot in life. Jesus is saying, hey, your money is yours. You can use it and you can build up this life and you can get a lot of stuff or you can use it to help people and to point people to the hope of eternity and knowing him. And he goes on to, to break this down a little bit further when he says in the next verse in Matthew uh, chapter six, in verse 21, he says, you know, sort for yourself treasures in, in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in still. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He tells us where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. 
And to, to kind of give you some, some definitions there, here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I think Jesus means by that. He says, what you treasure becomes the guiding principle for your whole life. What you treasure is what your heart will pursue. So if your treasure is to get as much stuff, to get as much success, to get as much validation about how much money you make or that next promotion or climb the career ladder, to retire early, to move to the beach, to walk around collecting seashells, playing golf. Like if that's your dream, you can do that. But Jesus says, that's where your heart is. And ultimately that stuff doesn't get to come with you when you die. There's an old saying, I'm, I'm, from, uh, I'm from Alabama and uh, you know, my, my high school students joke at me because I talk about Alabama all the time, but it's funny to be in from like the country. Uh, there's all these funny sayings that people say to you know, communicate something that's really important, but uh, often it's said in a funny way. And I can vividly remember as a kid, you know, people uh, having a ton of money and you know, kind of doing the opposite of what Jesus is talking about here. They're making their treasures um, earthly in life and they're just accumulating stuff and flexing their wealth and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, like my grandpa or some, some old guy I went to church with, but you know, that's great and all, but I ain't never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And it was with this, this point that like, you know, hearse is what carries you to your grave, you know, the casket in it. And it's like, you don't get to bring your stuff with you, right? Like either you leave your money or your money leaves you. That's the only two options when it comes to money. And so if you're beginning to collect treasures here on earth, you have to understand that stuff stays here on earth, regardless of what happens to you afterwards. And so the whole point is to be like, hey, instead, why don't we create treasures for ourselves that, you know, basically we can have and enjoy for a long time. And essentially what I believe that looks like is to uh, actually invest your life, invest your time and invest your money in treasures that are eternal, things that actually last beyond your lifetime here on earth. And if you wonder what, what your treasure is or, or what the, the, the guiding, the thing that your heart chases after, the guiding principle that your heart pursues, um, it's really easy to figure out what the treasure is in your life. Some of you may know it, some of you may think you know it, and that may not actually be the actual treasure of your life, but it's really easy to figure out what it is. Um, you can look at two things. It's really simple to figure out what the treasure of your life is. Look at your calendar and look at your bank statements because where you spend your time and where you spend your money is the thing that you care about. Like me personally, I do not watch hockey. I do not care about hockey. I don't spend time watching hockey on TV. I don't buy hockey memorabilia. I do not care about hockey. If someone ever accused me of my treasure being the sport hockey, people would be like, you don't know Heath because that dude is not even sure what the point of that game is, right? It looks like figure skating with sticks to me. Like I have no idea. But if you begin to look at your life, if you begin to look at, if someone were to document your life with a camera, and take minute by minute notes of how you spend your time, what would they begin to find out is your treasure? If somebody printed out your bank statements, you know, printed out the whole bank statement, uh, sorry, college students, printed out the whole bank statement, right? Like, and uh, that, was a, that was a money joke. Uh, they, what would they figure out is the treasure of your life? Because for some of you, what you would find is your treasure would be found in things that ultimately don't matter. Things that you ultimately can't take with you at the end of this life. We would be heartbroken to find out that the treasure of our life, how we spend our time is TikTok. The treasure of our life and how we spent the most of our money is that daily Starbucks on the way to class every single day for four years. We'd be heartbroken to find the treasure of our life is that bar tab at Johnny B's on Friday night, right? We would be terrified to figure out that the treasure of our life was wasting our time with things that ultimately in five, 10 years won't matter to you as much as they do today. And so Jesus' challenge to us is to say, hey, why are we wasting our time building up treasures that you can't take with you? Sure, you may enjoy them for a season, 
But it's also like, hey, if you guys had the coolest toy chest as a preschooler, nobody in this room cares anymore, right? In the same way that you outgrow that, Jesus is making a point to say, hey, you can have the coolest toys, the biggest house, the nicest car, the fanciest clothes. And when you die, somebody else gets all of it. So why would you spend your life making your life about those things? There's something bigger and better that you can make your life about. And he invites us to that. Here's what he says a couple of verses later in Matthew chapter six in verse 24. He says this, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he's just point blank, just says it. You cannot serve both God and money, period. Jesus says that. He's like, hey, the treasure of your life can't be God and making his name known and following him with your life and making him a high value and chasing his wisdom and making your relationships all about him. And at the same time, making your life all about money and stuff and getting as much of it as you can, as quickly as you can, enjoying it for as long as you can. Those two things compete with each other. I told you guys I'm from Alabama. In Alabama, you cannot cheer for Alabama and Auburn. You got to pick one or neither, right? Like, you know, if you're a Bulldogs fan, that's fine, but you can't say Roll Tide and War Eagle. That is fighting words where I'm from. Some of you, you can't be a Republican and a Democrat, right? When you get there, you're going to vote one or the other. You can't pick both. In the same way, Jesus says, hey, God and money can't sit on the throne of your hearts. One of them will, but they can't both coexist. And his challenge to us is to begin to pick which one you want your life to be about. Do you want your life to be about your heavenly father who created you and loved you and loved you so much that he sent his son to earth to die for you? And he asked for nothing in return. In fact, when you talk about in churches, when we ask people to, to give money to churches, it's not to pay God back for what he's done for you. It's to show that money doesn't reign supreme in your heart and that you want to internally invest in helping other people know the truth that you know. It's the reason that places like this exist because people give financially to Brownsbridge Church so that ministries like the living room can provide incredible environments like this for you guys to know Jesus and to eat delicious subs before you do, right? And it's, it's the wonderful thing that, that God did. is said, hey, make money a tool that you can use, not a God, for little case, lowercase g, not a God to sit on the throne of your heart. And so I think the whole point of, I, of, of this tonight is, is essentially this, is that God doesn't want to have your money. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't care if you have a lot of it or little of it. He loves you just the same no matter what. He doesn't want your money. If God wanted money, he would just create more of it. He's God. He doesn't need what little money me or you may have or what a lot of money me or you may have. Instead, God doesn't want your money to have you. He doesn't want that to be the treasure of your heart that your life is wrapped up in because ultimately he knows it's meaningless. And if your heart and your life is wrapped up in chasing money, that means it's not wrapped up in following and pursuing and knowing him. So the invitation that, that God has for you is like, hey, let's have a better relationship with money. Let's do better with money. And I think for, uh, for you guys, the invitation tonight is to start now, start at this stage in life, to build habits today that will help you in the future. And so uh, practically speaking, how do we do this? I think really great ways to do this is to, you know, start tracking your spending, figuring out where you spend your money, you know, print out those bank statements and see like where your money goes. You'll be shocked at some of this frivolous things that we can buy. Um, you know, I, I had no idea how fast money can go. So I got married, right? And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, money goes really fast. And so, uh, you know, 
Track your spending, figure out where your money's going and then create a budget. There are so many, there are millions of apps out there that will help you create a budget. There's Mint, there's You Need a Budget, there's Rocket Money, there's probably a dozen other, probably ones that you guys know better than I do, but those are the ones I'm familiar with. Like you can use an app that'll help, you can tie it to your bank account and it'll tell you, hey, you're overspending on food. You know, maybe don't eat Chick-fil-A every meal for the whole week. You know, it's expensive. Like go buy groceries and cook at home. It's cheaper. Like it'll help you track your spending and make better decisions financially. But a guiding principle that I feel like a framework that um, I learned from Ryan Gray, who we all know and love in this room, who I tried to give him credit. He said he learned it from somebody else, but I didn't know that guy. So I'm gonna give Ryan credit is this, is that we can give, save, live. That if you have 100% of your income, break it down into fractions, give away 10%, Give it to something where people can know Jesus. Give it to something where God is at work. Give it to a missionary. Give it to a church. Give it to an an agency that's helping uh, homeless people. Give it to uh, somebody serving the the poor in your community. Give it away. Because the reason is not the, the purpose of giving away. The reason is to show like, hey, I have money. This money doesn't have me. So give away 10%, save 20%. You never know when you're gonna wreck your car and have to go buy a new one. Trust me, (laughs) it happens. And then live off the rest of the 70%. And if you're not a math major, that does add up to 100. I double checked 10, 20, 70, that's 100. Give away 10%, save 20%, put it in a savings account for a rainy day, put it in an investment account, let it make money for you down the road and then live off the 70%. I think so often when we make a budget, we make it off 100% and we wind up spending 100% of our budget. Make your budget in such a way that you can spend some, save some and then give some away. Because the temptation is always gonna be for money and for our hearts to, to have a relationship with money that says we need more more and more, to keep it for yourself. Buy more stuff. If you save it a little bit more, you can get that pair of shoes you've had your eye on. If you can save it for longer, you know, you can, you can upgrade to the newest iPhone 14 coming out. If you can just get a little bit more, then you can buy that car that you want or, or, or whatever it is. The, the temptation is always going to be more. Uh, I love memes <clears throat> and I can't say more, more, more without thinking of the Star Wars Kylo Ren meme where he's like asking for more. I don't know if you guys appreciate that or not, but Money as your master is always gonna demand more from you. And I know that to be true because there's a story about John D. Rockefeller, who you may not know. He was one of the richest men, not the richest man in the world in the earliest 20th century. And in today's money, if you could like, you know, track for inflation today, he was alive today, he would be worth, brace yourselves for this, $686 billion. Same, right? <laughs> Same. That, was, that would be his net worth today. And someone asked him, they said, Mr. Rockefeller, you're the richest, one of the richest men in the whole world. Like, how, why do you keep making money? Like, how, how much is enough? And he said, I don't know, but I think it's just a little bit more. Doesn't matter how much money you have, your heart will always tell you that you need just a little bit more. So the best thing to do is to not make money the center of your heart, to not make it the treasure that your heart pursues, but to make it a tool in your tool belt. I'm always reminded of Jesus's interaction, another interaction he had about money with the rich young ruler. This rich young ruler was a guy who came to Jesus and he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to invest in my eternity? And Jesus says, well, what does the scripture say? Love the Lord your God, with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, obey the commandments. Do everything the Bible says. And he goes, hey, I've done all these. What else? And first of all, I'm thinking, you know, you've done all those. Come on. We haven't done all those, right? We can't do what all the Bible says, but you know, he he tells Jesus he has. Jesus gives him the benefit of the doubt. And he says, okay, Uh, the the guy's sitting there thinking like, hey, I'll write a check. My name is the rich young ruler, right? How much is it, Jesus? How much for me to get eternal life? 
I'm ready to write the check. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all of your possessions, sell them, and give all the money to the poor. And then I want you to come and follow me. And the story goes that the rich young ruler turns and walks away sorrowful, for he had great wealth. He had many possessions. Basically, Jesus said, you know, his disciples were like, Jesus, dude, you just turned down so much money. That guy would have wrote you a check for as much money as you, you could have named your price. He would have wrote it. Why, why did you say that? Well, if, if he can't go to heaven, who can? And Jesus says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, right? You guys know camel, it's like a horse, but lumpier, and pass through the eye of a needle. Jesus, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. And the point that Jesus is making is that God can't sit on the throne of your heart at the same time that money does. And his point is, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. He doesn't care about that. You can go to heaven if you're rich. But Jesus said, only if your money doesn't have you. And the invitation for us tonight is not to think about how much money you have or you don't have or you want to have one day or you hope to have one day. My invitation for you tonight is for this quote that uh, comes from our lead pastor, Andy Stanley, who says this. When it comes to money, it's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. TLR, I hope that tonight um, you begin to think about how God has gifted you with money, whether it be a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, a million bucks, whatever you have in your bank account. Begin today to own your money, not let your money own you. Begin today to use your money and not let your money be in control of you. Begin today to put principles in place so that God sits on the throne of your heart and your money is a tool for you to glorify him. If you don't know how to do that, if you're stuck, if you're in a bad way financially, we at Brownsbridge Church would love to help you. Uh, we have sp specific s small groups, short-term groups that, that exist called Money Wise, and they literally teach people good money practicing principles. In fact, it would be awesome if you guys were interested in that, to sign up for that. And if you, even if you're not in a bad way financially, learn good habits, learn good principles now so that when you're older, you don't have to uh, try to undo a lot of damage.